Hello everybody, Kings fans, NBA fans, basketball fans, uh, anyone really except Lakers fans. This is Tony from Cap City Crown trying to do my first ever podcast for the website. I'm not going to lie, I did one earlier today, it didn't go so well, and uh, you know, I'm, I think this is the one, I think this is the one, do it a little better. Upload it. Let everyone listen to it. Who will listen to it? Hopefully, you get some uh, some listens to you know. Uh, and I guess you know. I say you know a lot. I say uh a lot. I say I mean. So I'm gonna try to watch myself on this podcast because that is one reason that I decided to redo it. So if I say those words too much, my apologies. But here we go. Twenty seven days. I I mean twenty four. I did a practice run already. I said 27 days that time. I meant to say 24. So 24 days until basketball is back. July 31st. Well, no, really, really. It's more like 15 days because they're going to do the the scrimmage games starting July 22nd, I believe. Yeah, 15 days. Practice starts soon, but I I think they're going to be I think they're going to be televising broadcasting the scrimmage games i'm not positive but i want to say that they're going i think they're gonna be i think they're gonna be broadcasting scrimmage games i'm, I'm not sure i'm not gonna lie i'm, I'm not 100 positive but i want to say i heard somewhere they are i think the kings play the bucks the clippers and another team Who's the other team? Bucks, Clippers. And they play one more team in the scrimmage games. It doesn't really matter. It matters in the sense that this will be the first games played by NBA teams against one another since the suspension happened on, I want to say, March 16th, March 14th. It was a Wednesday. I remember that. I want to say March 16th. So, I mean, there, there's me saying I mean. It's, it'll be over... Four months since they've played in an NBA game. The Kings didn't even play on that game or that day, March 16th, when they're supposed to play the Pelicans on their only nationally broadcasted game of that season. Unfortunately, I really, I remember getting home, so excited to watch it on ESPN, the only one of the season against a Pelicans in a huge game. Kings were on a tear, playing well. Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson in Sacramento on ESPN. Kings on a tear. Uh, we all know how that ended. No game being played. NBA season being suspended indefinitely. Anyways, like I was saying, these scrimmage games, unless the Kings are really going to be getting... Uh, just smacked on these scrimmage games. I, I don't think they're going to really matter that much. So that brings us to July 31st. And that's when the NBA season begins. The Kings start off their eight game. I'm going to call it an eight game tournament or maybe the eight games to end the season, something like that. Uh, they start off against the Spurs at 5 p.m. Pacific time. It will be an interesting matchup. But before we get into the matchups, let's talk more about 
the Kings' chances to make the playoffs. Do you, do you, do you, the listener, do you, do you believe, do you believe, do you believe? That's my question. No, it's not. My question is, do you think the Kings will make the playoffs? Um, they do have the chance to go into a play-in tournament. If you're not aware of what this play-in tournament is, it's basically the 8th and ninth seed battling for the 8th playoff spot. The conditions are, though, the ninth seed has to be within four games of the 8th seed. And in the play-in tournament games, I suppose, the ninth seed has to beat the eighth seed twice, while the eighth seed will only have to beat the ninth seed once to advance. I don't see the Kings getting that eighth seed at all. Um, They're a little too far back. They're 3.5 games back with the Grizzlies. Or, sorry, 3.5 games back behind the Grizzlies and tied with the Trailblazers and New Orleans Pelicans, who are getting all... The Pelicans and the Trailblazers, they're getting all the media's attention. The media's talking about how the Trailblazers, uh, obviously, you know, they, they have star players. They have Lillard. They have C.J. McCollum. They have Hassan Whiteside. I believe Nurkic is coming back. They have Carmelo Anthony. I, I can see why they're, the media is focusing on them. And the Pelicans, obviously, with Zion Williamson who is going off towards the end of the season. Then you have seasoned veterans and J.J. Redick, who has never missed the playoffs and put a lot of pressure on Zion Williamson at the beginning of the season, saying, hey, it's going to be your fault if we don't make the playoffs and you're going to ruin my streak. And then you have Drew Holiday, who is... I wouldn't call him underrated anymore. I think he was underrated for a very long time. But I think the appropriate attention has come his way since. But then you have Lonzo Ball. Ew. Yes, I know. I can't believe I said that name on a Kings podcast. But they do have Lonzo Ball. They have Brandon Ingram, who's an all-star. They have, I want to say, Derek Favors. I'm not sure if he's good for them, but I know that he's on the team. So if that means anything, really. So the Pelicans, Trailblazers, they're getting getting the press because they have the players to make the press. Uh, I remember Darren Fox retweeting uh, a tweet, of course. I mean, you can't really retweet anything else. A tweet about the percentages of Western Conference teams to make the playoffs. Uh, the ones who are trying to contend for that eighth spot. And the Kings weren't... <clears throat> sorry. The Kings weren't even on the list uh, to <laughs> to be given a percentage. And Fox was like, wow, they're already counting us, all, counting us out already. And why? Why are they counting us out? The Kings were playing really well going into the suspension. They they were playing really good. I think they were they were I don't know twelve. Ah man, I had the numbers. I don't think it was like eleven and six. I think it doesn't sound amazing, but they were doing well considering they just had a terrible season. They went on that like three and fifteen run, plus fifteen out of eighteen, and then they kind of they. I think it was right after that uh, three and fifteen run they went eleven and six. I'm not, or 11 and 5 maybe, it's, don't hold me to this, I don't have stats in uh, front of me, I'm just going off the top of my head, they're similar to that, and they were, they were creeping up to that 8th seed, and of course they had that Pelicans game, uh, as the Pelicans and Kings were tied, whoever won that game on uh, the ESPN nationally broadcast game, maybe it was TNT, I'm not sure, 
Anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, they would have moved within three games of the Grizzlies and in sole possession of the ninth seed. So you can't count out the Kings. Fox has been playing marvelous, marvelous, mar, marvelously. I can't speak. He's been playing spectacularly. I can say that though. He's been playing great. Obviously, the leader of the team. Um, Bogey and Buddy, whatever position they're in, either coming off the bench or starting, they're both solid players, and they're going to basically put up the same numbers, regardless if they're on the bench or starting. Kent Bazemore and Harrison Barnes have been playing great. Uh, Barnes has really stepped up his game since the All-Star break ended. And then, of course, you have the two enforcers inside of Sean Holmes, has been an absolute beast down low for the Kings. Probably the brightest spot where you can, you know, consider Darren Fox's great, uh, his great games this season. His out, his um, what would you call it? His like, he's he's blossoming. He the man is blossoming in into he's blossoming. Blo- I can't speak blossoming. Blossoming. And you know when you say a word so many times, it just. <laughs> It just sounds weird to say. He's becoming a star is what I'm trying to say. And we're seeing that uh, develop right in front of our very eyes. But to go along with Fox becoming a rising star or is a rising star, we're watching Holmes, who I personally didn't have big expectations on the big man coming into the season. I, you know, I I think my eyes are on Dwayne Dredman, just like most of us were. But Holmes, when he took over that center position, like, I don't know, third or fourth game into this into the season. He hasn't looked back. He's played well. I know he missed a large chunk of the season with a shoulder injury. Uh, he was coming back right before the NBA got suspended, kind of easing his way back into the lineup. But he's been spectacular. Uh, everyone loves him. And then we got Alex Lynn with Kent Bazemore at the trade deadline. Lynn, I, I think Bazemore has been better, but I think you expected Bazemore to be better. Uh, then Lynn. Um, I guess we got Bazemore before, the, a little before the trade deadline, but it was still a trade this season. Uh, you know, Bazemore is the more high profile player when compared to Lynn. Uh, he provides a spark, he provides defense, he provides heart. And then you have Lynn. I, don't, I, I didn't expect much out of Lynn. I'm not sure if any of you Kings fans did either, but he has been. I mean, I don't think any of us are disappointed in what he's given. I think if he gave anything, it's more than what we expected. But he's even provided more than that. He's he's been down low and forcing. Uh, he's got in. God, he got in that fight with somebody. Uh, I wish I could remember who it was. But he's he hasn't backed down. He's been blocking a ton of shots, and just he's just been. I don't know. The Kings get those players every now and then. Those those big man. Those big men who. Uh, who kind of play the enforcer role, like Quincy AC, Cole Aldrich, uh, Reggie Evans, rebounders, kind of like that. So it's fitting that Alex Lynn is the next in line to do so. So when the Kings start on July 31st, they start against the Spurs. So I'm going to start breaking down the schedule, seeing if you know the Kings have a chance to make the playoffs. And we're going to break down game by game, uh, see what they're going to finish their record with in these eight games. So they start off against the Spurs. 
I, it's kind of funny to me how there's home games and away games. It's like Kings at Spurs at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Like, at where? They're all just in Orlando. There's no fans. It's not because any home home court advantage. It's interesting that there's home and away games. And I wonder what jerseys they're going to wear on top of this. I personally, if you've followed my social media, uh, specifically Twitter, you might know that I love the gold jerseys. <laughs> there's something about them. They're, just, they're so ugly that they're beautiful. I'm going to go on a rant about jerseys real quick. It's a little tirade. Um, I love the ugly... Remember the Padres jerseys, the brown and yellow ones? I have that hat. I love that jersey. A lot of people say they don't like it. It looks like, you know, fecal matter and pee, but I think it's a beautiful combination. The Astros jerseys, kind of like the rainbow jerseys. Same with the Devil Rays. Remember the Devil Rays kind of had those rainbow rainbow jerseys? I love those. It's just something special about them. They they, they stand out uh, more so than, you know, I mean, the Yankees pinstripes will always be iconic, but they're just pinstripes. I mean, when you, when you try to break the... Uh, you know, break the chain, but you kind of just fail miserably, but you still stand out because of how miserably you failed. I think you did well. Is there any other jerseys I can think of? Um, I really love the Jazz, the Jazz City editions with like the like different shades of yellow, orange, and red. I think those are beautiful. I think people love those anyway. Um... Hmm, any other jerseys in sports that are just so ugly that they they stand out? I'm not sure, but that's my little rant real quick. I think the Kings should bring back their gold jerseys. Uh, you know, Kings, uh, they love their gold, gold crowns. I think it's fitting, but whatever. I'm probably not going to happen. So, Kings at Spurs, first game. LaMarcus Aldridge is out of this play, uh, this eight-game tournament. I'm, I'm saying the Kings are going to win this one. The Spurs are four games, just .5 games behind the Kings out of eighth place. Four games behind the Grizzlies for the eighth seed. So they're trying to vie for that play-in spot, that eighth. I don't think they'll get the eighth seed, but, you know, that play-in spot. So they're going to come out fighting. But without LaMarcus Aldridge, I think the Kings have the better team. They're younger. And I think... And I'm going to, again, I'm going to go off on a little tangent again. The Kings are a younger team, which is going to help them in this uh, in this little eight-game playoff tournament. They're going to have the legs to run. They're going to be, uh, they're going to get into shape a little quicker than older teams. And so they're going to have to use that to their advantage. The Spurs, I don't think they're an older team like they once were with um, when Duncan, Parker, and Ginobili were there at the end of their career. But the Kings still have youth compared to most teams so i'm gonna say they're gonna beat the spurs especially without lamarcus aldridge so boom one and oh great way to start the eight game playoff and then they play at orlando which is kind of fitting since they're in orlando uh orlando magic have the home field or home court advantage in two scenarios since it the kings are the away team in this game and orlando is playing at home uh, if you didn't hear recently, the uh, or Bradley Beal did drop out of this tournament. He said he's not going to go to Orlando to play. I believe the Wizards are the only team that isn't in a playoff seed right now in the East that is being invited to Orlando. And why even go at this point? If you're the Wizards, if you don't have Bradley Beal, 
you're not gonna do anything. Um, and the I believe the magic. Yeah, let me look up standings real quick. I believe the magic are in the eighth seed right now. And if the only team trying to fight them for that eighth seed is the Wizards, then what's the point of uh, what's the point of even going? You're you're not gonna do anything. Sorry, I'm gonna look up these standings. Make sure I'm right instead of just spitting out information. The the magic are the the eighth seed right now. The wizards are the ninth seed. And <laughs> geez, they're five point five games back. Yeah. And actually the magic are only 0.5 games behind the nets, so maybe the magic wanna win, move up the standings a little. They have no chance of getting to the sixth seed at all. Like zero chance. They're nine games behind that. Only eight games remaining. Six seed is the Sixers. But, I mean, I guess you can, you know, the Magic are going to try to go for that seventh seed. Um, either play the Bucks or the Raptors, most likely, depending on what seed they are, either eighth or seventh. I don't think it's going to matter. I think the Bucks or Raptors are going to take care of the Nets and or Magic, who, whichever one they play. So... But the Magic is what I'm trying to get at, everybody, is that the Magic aren't going to come in to this tournament with a sense of urgency. They've kind of um, made their bed, so you say, with either getting the 7th or 8th seed. And I don't think they're too worried about getting knocked off by the Wizards, as the Wizards are 5.5 games back already. And now without Bradley Beal, uh, good night, Wizards. And bringing that back to the Kings, playing the Magic, the Kings are going to play with a sense of more urgency. Uh, boom. Kings 2-0 and to start the this eight-game playoff tournament. That's great, right? That's great. 2-0. and And then they move on two days later, and they have home court advantage for the first time in this eight-game tournament. But guess who it's against? The Dallas Mavericks. I know the Kings beat Dallas earlier this year, even without De'Aaron Fox. I don't believe Chris Porzingis was on the Mavs uh, that first game. The Kings won as well. I know the Kings got spanked the next time they played the Mavs. Um, I'm pretty sure everyone was healthy on both teams. Maybe not Rashawn Holmes. Maybe. No, I don't think Rashawn Holmes was there. I, I don't remember. Jeez, it's been four months. My goodness. But what I'm trying to say is that I don't see the Kings beating the Mavs. Sorry, Luka Doncic is very good. So is Kristaps Porzingis. I think they're just going to be too much to handle. So sorry, that brings our record to 2-1. and one. Next game, another home court advantage game for Sacramento. The New Orleans Pelicans. So there you have it. The game that got canceled uh, right before the NBA got suspended. Uh... Kings have home court advantage just like they did in that nationally broadcasted game to be. Did the Kings win this one? Well, the Pelicans, you know, the talk of the town right now in the Western Conference. Everyone loves Zion Williamson. Um, they love the young core that they have with Brandon Ingram kind of at the lead in a way. Uh, I think if you're not a Kings fan, everyone else is saying that the Pelicans are going to win this game. Well, Guess what? I'm going to say the same thing. <laughs> uh, that might have been a turn of events for you. You might have thought I was going to say the other uh, the other thing, that the Kings are going to win. I don't... Okay. I'm just going to give you a little spoiler right here. The Kings play the Pelicans twice in this tournament. I, I see them splitting the series. 
Um, I don't see the Kings winning both. I don't see the Pelicans winning both. But I think the Pelicans will win the first game. They have a great team. I think the Kings have a great team, but I think the Pelicans are gonna kind of they're gonna ride the wave a little. Be like, all right, we're the Pelicans. Everyone's looking at us. We're feeling good. Zion Williamson is gonna start throwing down some dunks, getting our team hyped. Pelicans are gonna they're gonna come in firing and uh, Duncan and Pelicans are gonna beat the Kings first go around. So the Kings after starting off a solid two and zero in my mind they're 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 down to two and two even even at five hundred. Then we go on one the next day against the Nets. So this is I think the most up in the air game in my opinion. The Nets. Let's look at the Nets record. The Nets are 30 and 34. Uh, that's nothing special. The Kings are 28 and 36. So they're like two games behind them statistically wise. I don't know what's happened in Brooklyn. I know their head coach got fired for some reason. He wasn't getting along with uh, ownership, I'm assuming. Uh, sorry, it's terrible analysis, I know. And I know Kyrie Irving was talking about not playing to not draw attention away from the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I'm not sure if he's coming back to play. Uh, I haven't really heard much on it. Okay, I'm just going to be straight up. If Kyrie plays, Kings lose. Kyrie doesn't play, Kings win. That's that's my call right now. Um, But I think... I'm, I'm, I'll just call it a loss right now. Sorry, Kings fans. I'm just going to try to be objective as possible when it comes to this. The, the Kings, I don't remember the Kings playing well against the Nets recently. I just feel like the Nets have the Kings number at the moment, even without Kyrie Irving. Uh, even, you know, the Nets haven't had Kyrie Irving most of the year, and they're still, you know, they're not a sub-500 team, but they are a playoff team at the moment. So that's three straight losses for the Kings. They're gonna have to dig themselves out of this hole now. You can't play below 500 basketball in an eight-game tournament and expect to make the playoffs when you're already 3.5 games out of the eighth seed. So they're gonna have to win this next game. That's another home game. The, the sorry, the Kings were at the Nets. Whatever that means, they're at Brooklyn. They're they're the way team against the Nets, but they have home court advantage in this next game, and they're going to to use that to their advantage but they also play the rockets <sighs> we started off 2-0 guys in my head we started off 2-0 and i'm sorry do you think we're gonna beat the rockets yeah we beat them once already but it was a miracle thank you namanya bielitsa but for real are we really gonna beat them again Don't make me say it, but I got the Kings dropping four in a row right now after winning the first two. Uh, That's not looking too well. Two and four? They're going to have to win these last two games to bring themselves back up to 500 to give them a chance for the playing seed at the least on top of the spurs pelicans and trailblazers trying to do the same thing it's gonna be tough Uh, and the suns but come on really six games out 
unless Devin Booker is dropping 40 a game for the Suns and Aiton is grabbing 20 rebounds and Rubio's dishing out uh, 20 assists and Oubre is just, you know, swooning every player on the opposing team with those gorgeous eyes. Uh, yes, this is that kind of podcast. Um, I, don't, I mean, come on, Suns aren't going to do anything, let's be real. So the Kings are 2-4 and four at this point with two games remaining. Next up, New Orleans Pelicans at the Sacramento Kings. So Sacramento Kings actually are home both games against the Pelicans. Don't think it really matters. As I said earlier, I think the Kings are going to split this series. I think they're going to get revenge. They're going to be like, all right, you know what? This is our moment. This is our time. This is our time to win. You know, Zion Williamson, you know, he... Uh, Last game, Zion Williamson with the poster over Rashawn Holmes. If you don't like that, you don't like New Orleans Pelicans basketball. Yeah, I think you know that's what the announcers are going to say. I think that you know it's a possibility. And then the Kings are going to be like, you know what, Holmes, you're our boy. We're gonna we're gonna fight for you. We're gonna rally around you. We did not like how Williamson disrespected you like that. Fox is going to just go out. Drop 24 in the first half. Uh, Buddy Heald's going to drain nine threes that game. There's And it's not going to be like... I think the first game is going to be a close game. I think they're going to have... The Pelicans will have some highlight plays like Williamson, Duncan, uh, J.J. Redick hits like uh, four straight threes in a matter of uh, two minutes. And then Ingram drops like like a 50-piece on us. But it's going to be like a two-point game at the end. So like, oh, the Kings, you know, they've been... They're going to be like... The Kings are going to be down by 32 at the half, and they're just going to keep they're just going to like keep clawing their way back in it, and they're going to get right to the end of the game, and they're just, they're just going to like choke. They're going to have a chance not to just not to tie. They're going to have a chance to win it, and then and then they're just going to give the ball to like Kent Bazemore in the corner, and he's just going to totally miss it like he always does in the corner for a corner three to win it. That's the game. Uh, but then this game, you know, the Kings, but at least the Kings kept it close, you know. It's like, all right, you know, we're right here. We didn't back out. And this next game, the Kings are just going to run them over. Fox drops 40. Like I said, Buddy drops nine threes, nine for 12 in the game. Are you kidding me? What a game he's going to have. Uh, Rashawn Holmes grabs, uh, he's going to have a 15 and 15 game. Marvin Bagley's going to just, there's everyone's going to be sleeping on him. And he just goes off a 20 and 10 game. For the second year, man, oh my goodness! So uh, that's going to bring the Kings back up to three and four. Uh, great game, Kings with the dominant victory. They're going to win by a total of twenty-seven. Just beautiful fashion. And that's going to put the league on notice. And they play the Lakers two days later. Lakers, you know, they're kind of shaking. They're like, oh my god, like, geez, what did the Kings just do to the Pelicans? I mean, what, the, the, the Pelicans are—they were six and zero oh before that game. And the Kings just dropped him like that? Oh, my goodness. The Lakers, you know, LeBron James is going to be, like, have trouble falling asleep the night before. He's going to knock on Anthony Davis's uh, door, his hotel door. And he's like, hey, dude, like, do you mind if I crash in here? I'm a little, I'm a little worried. Uh, and the, the Kings are going to beat the Lakers the next day uh, or two days later uh, after the Pelicans uh uh, dominating victory, the Kings dominating victory of the Pelicans two days before, and they're gonna uh, they're gonna bring that record back up to four and four. Because I personally believe 
I'm not gonna lie. I think the Kings are gonna beat the Lakers, and I think the Kings will beat the Pelicans the second time around, and the Kings will beat the Lakers to end off the season because I think the or Frank Vogel, I should say, will rest Davis and James just because I think they will have already clinched the one seed. I think that they want to give them a rest. A lot of playoff basketball ahead. No reason to not rest their players. And then the NBA season starts back up in December, they're talking about. So just give them as much rest as possible at this point. No reason to overwork these players. Kings should take advantage of a depleted Lakers team that will be resting their star players, bringing them back to 4-4. Four and four. Is that enough to get into the playoffs? Well, let's look at these other. Let's look at the other teams vying for that eighth seed or that ninth seed um, in the Western Conference. So the San Antonio Spurs. They're they're like I said, they're going to come up, uh, start off the season or the eight game playoff tournament facing the Kings. I said the Kings are going to win that one. Then they play the Grizzlies the, a couple days later. Uh, the Grizzlies, you know, they. I don't know. Spurs have more playoff experience, and they have Greg Popovich. Grizzlies, at the moment, the better team. We can never count the Spurs, but it will be a hard-fought game regardless. I think it can go either way. But then you know it's going to get tough for the. It's going to get tough for the Spurs after that. They got the Sixers. It's, you know, a pretty good team. The Nuggets, the Jazz, the Pelicans. I can see the Pelicans winning this game too, just as everyone in you know the media right now has been hyping up the Pelicans because of their young core and Zion Williamson and Drew Holiday and J.J. Redick. I think the Pelicans outrun the Spurs, beat them. Then they have the Rockets and Jazz, so I don't see one sure win for the Spurs on this one. I could see them beating unfortunately the Kings, the Grizzlies. It's really it. It's like the only two I can see them like for Try to bet on the Spurs winning any of these games. It's those two right there. Spurs don't have an easy schedule ahead of them. They're already behind the Kings, so they're not going to be make too much of a difference. But you know, I could see them going two and six in this tournament easily. Portland Trailblazers. So Trailblazers tied with the Kings, getting the media attention with the Pelicans because they have star players like Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Hassan Whiteside. Um, Gee, I think Nurkic is coming back. They also have Carmelo. They have a good team around them. They went to the Western Conference Finals last year, and now they're trying to fight for an eighth seed. Kind of an odd year in Portland. They start off against the Grizzlies. Again, that would be a hardly fought game as both teams are trying to get that eighth seed. Grizzlies trying to keep it. Trailblazers are trying to move within several games to get to that eighth seed. Um, Port- Memphis... Memphis will play hard against them. But then the Trailblazers don't have an easy road ahead. They don't have an easy road ahead either. Then they play the Celtics, the Rockets, the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Sixers, the Mavericks, and then they finish off against the Nets. I know the Trailblazers are better than than how they've been playing this year so far. That's still a tough lineup ahead. I, I think they can win a couple of these... Maybe against like the Rockets, Nuggets, Mavs, Nets. I I can see them going three and five. Maybe they beat the Grizzlies, beat the Nets, and then pulling off like, you know, again pulling off an upset against one of these playoff teams at the moment, like 
I don't see him being the Clippers, Sixers, maybe the Rockets or Nuggets. That's a tough schedule for Portland. They have a good team. I think they can play well, considering how well they did last year. But, geez, they do not have it easy. And it sucks because there's no there's no easy teams to play. These are all teams that are within, I think, six games of the playoffs that made the... Uh, and they made this tournament. So there's no there's no Golden State Warriors. There's no Atlanta Hawks to play. These are all tough teams. And 16 of the 22 teams, they're currently a playoff team. So there's only uh, six teams. There's only six teams that you can play that technically aren't a playoff team. And so that's not like teams, you know, you're not going to get a lot of match- matchups against these worst teams. And the Trailblazers are a prime example of that. Only playing, they don't play one team that technically does not have a playoff spot right now. They don't play one. So, Trailblazers are going to have it rough. Then you have the New Orleans Pelicans. I was looking over at the Pelicans roster or their schedule a little earlier, and they by far have the easiest uh, seeding game schedule. That's what, you know, NBA is calling it seeding game schedule. They start off against the Jazz. Jazz are a good team. I can see the Jazz winning that one. And then they go to Los Angeles, or they're not really going to Los Angeles, but they're going to, you know, be the away team against the Los, An- Los Angeles Clippers. That, that's a, that's two stuff, tough games to start off. And then, they, then they're then they the hosting, they're going to host the Grizzlies, which again isn't an easy win, but it is a winnable game, more so than the first two. Then they play the Kings. I said that Pelicans will probably split the series. Then they play the Wizards. So that's, I mean... If the Wizards, if I had to bet on one thing in this tournament, it's that the Wizards are going to go zero and eight, and so that, that basically means the Pelicans are going to win that one. They play the Spurs again. The Spurs are trying to get that final playoff spot or play in seed or playoff game, play in game. So that'll, that'll be a tough matchup, but nothing like too hard. And then the and then they finish off against the Kings and the Magic again, two winnable games. So other than the Jazz and the Clippers, those are all very winnable games. Not very, okay, I'm not going to say very winnable. I don't think anything's very winnable, especially that, you know, they play the Kings twice, the Grizzlies, and the Spurs. And those are all teams kind of battling each other for that final eighth seed or trying to move within four games of the eighth seed. So it's not going to be by any means easy, but it's going to, I'd rather, I'd rather play the Kings twice than play the Lakers twice or play the Celtics and play the Raptors per se. I think the Pelicans might have got off a little easy on this schedule. And you know what? Conspiracy theory time? Maybe, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the NBA wants to see Zion Williamson in the playoffs. Gave the Pelicans a little easier road to the playoffs. So, Kings really, they can really control their own destiny with this one. They play the Pelicans twice. They can beat the Pelicans. The Kings, I'm gonna, you know, the Kings, it's a challenge for you guys. Sacramento Kings, any of you players, any management, any front office listening, I'm going to give you a challenge. Beat the Pelicans twice, and your chances to make the playoffs, or at least make that play-in style tournament, will uh, increase exponentially. Exponentially. Sorry, I'm not very good at talking today. Maybe at all. Uh, You guys, uh, come on, do it for Sacramento. Do it. For the 10 year playoff drought you put us through. No, sorry, not 10 years. 14 year playoff drought. 
we Sacramentans have been enduring since 2006. I went to one of the Lost Kings playoff wins. Uh, it was Kevin Martin's buzzer beater at Arco against the Spurs. <sighs> what I'd give, what I'd give to witness a Sacramento Kings arena atmosphere like that once again. I was 10. I was 9. I was 9 years old. And now I've graduated college. Whatever. Kings, come on. Beat those Pelicans twice for me. For us. You know, for Sacramento. For your fans. Anyways, Pelicans, easy road. Hopefully the Kings can take both games from them in these eight-game playoff tournament. Then we finish with the Grizzlies watching or looking at their schedule. I mean, finish finish the predictions by looking at the Grizzlies' schedule. That's what I meant to say. Grizzlies, they by far don't have it any easier than anybody. They start off against the Trailblazers. It's gonna, like I said, all all these games against like the Kings, Pelicans, Spurs, Grizzlies, and uh, I mean I said them all. That's, that's gonna be there's gonna be some tough matchups. Because they're all they're all they're gonna all gonna be fighting for that those last spots. They're they're not gonna be easy games. They're gonna be easier games of playing good teams, but they're gonna be stressful and they're not they're by no means easy wins. But I'd still rather play the Trailblazers if I'm the Grizzlies than play the Lakers in the first game. So you got the Trailblazers, Spurs, and Pelicans. So but, oh, there you go, right off the bat, they're all playing stressful games against teams trying to knock them out. That's that's a stressful way to open up. Those are not maybe not must win games for the Pelican or sorry for the Grizzlies. Not must win games for the Grizzlies, but they're definitely important, and they're definitely hoping that they're going to win these games. Then they move on to the Jazz, to you know a playoff seeding team. Let's see, the the Jazz are the fourth seed right now in the Western Conference. Very good team. Then you move on to OKC, which is just one game worse than the Jazz, so that's another very good team. It's two high-seeded playoff teams, maybe not high, but middle of the road, that are good teams, and can prove that they are good teams. And then, listen to this. Listen how the Grizzlies finish their season. Raptors, Celtics, Bucks. Oh, man. The Grizzlies got shrewded. Oh, my goodness. Raptors, Celtics, Bucks? Isn't that like the top three seeds in the East? Yeah, it is. Oh. <laughs> I'm not complaining as a Kings fan, but I'm going to put my shelves in the Grizzlies, uh, in a Grizzlies fan shoes right now. I'd be cursing a lot if I saw this for the first time. Uh, my heart would sink into my chest, and I might start crying. That's not a good. It's. I mean, none of these games are easy. They finished the season with five against five playoff teams, and but not not even easy playoff teams. Not like the Magic or the Nets or you know, who's even the, the God. The seventh seed is the Mavericks in the West. Jeez, West is really good. Anyways, they don't get any of those easy. Uh, they don't get any of those easy Eastern Conference teams. I guess the West, the bad teams, of the Western Conference. Or the Kings and the Trailblazers and Spurs and Pelicans. And the, those, I wouldn't say by any means, are bad teams. So the Grizzlies, they're going to have 
Man, they might. I can't see them falling lower than the ninth seed. I could see them definitely being uprooted on the eighth seed, but the ninth seed? Is that too much? I don't know. Is that too much? It'd be interesting. What if they went 0-8? They would be uprooted for sure in everything. That's interesting. Grizzlies. Pelicans got it the easiest. And the Grizzlies have it the toughest. Is the NBA doing is this conspiracy? Do the Pel did the NBA really want the Pelicans to get the, the AC that bad? I don't know. That's a little suspicious to me. Why do the Grizzlies have it so much tougher than the Pelicans? I'm by far. Wow. Very, very interesting. Well, hopefully the Kings can go five and three instead of four and four. Take the Pelicans out twice. Um well, let's move on to another discussion. I have two in my head. I'm going to bring up this point. If the Kings make the playoffs, are are you counting this as a as a playoff appearance? Like, oh, like we're saying the King the Kings' last playoff appearance hasn't been hasn't been since 2006. I go, we gonna like you know in next year because the last playoff appearance wasn't since 2020. Technically, right? I don't know. My girlfriend and I, we have this bottle of Bogle uh, Proud Roots, I believe it's called. It's like Sacramento-based winery Proud Roots. They sell it at Kings Games, or did, I think. And, you know, Proud, Sacramento Proud, right? Proud Roots. We're gonna We're saving it to drink it for... The next, the first game the Kings play in the playoffs. So I guess my question, and maybe if anyone's listening, I I would be down for a vote on this. If I'm lucky enough to get enough viewers to have a vote on this, uh, would, should we drink that wine if the Kings make the playoffs? Not not playing. I'm definitely not drinking it on the playing tournament. That's that's dumb. It's not the playoffs. But if the Kings make the eighth seed, even after the playing tournament. Should we drink that? Should we, should we crack it open? Or should we wait until a legit full season when the Kings make it under fair circumstances? Or, I don't know, ordinary circumstances, I should say. I guess it'd still be fair. But we'll say ordinary circumstances. Uh, you know, let me know. I'm, I'm, I'm very... Uh, I think at this moment, I'm going to say no. I'm not going to drink it unless for some reason people listening. Thank you. Tell me otherwise. But if I were to have my own opinion, I would say no. Unless they somehow made it really far into this this playoff tournament or the playoffs, I suppose, and uh, really show really show that they're worth more than they appeared all season. Maybe if they made it past the semis, like if they made it to the conference finals, let's say that this Kings somehow make it to the conference finals. I'll drink the Bogle. Proud of it's bad at the moment. No, but I guess technically, my original question, is this a playoff appearance? I, I guess it is. It, it, I guess it has to be. They're making the playoffs. They're in the tournament. It's the same regular 16-team format. So I guess they could, I guess analysts could finally say, and Kings fans could finally say, the Kings finally ended their playoff drought. And their last time they made the playoffs would be in 2020. But this, of course, is all 
uh, barring if the Kings do make the playoffs, which will be no easy task. I'm talking more about the playoffs and maybe what to expect from the Kings. I'm just going to jump right into it. I'm not going to, you know, dance around the question or the topic. I'm just going to be very blunt with it. Go straight into it. What's happening with Marvin Bagley? Is he... I mean, I know he's healthy. He said he's 100% worked on his, his, his jump shooting. That's what he said. Worked on his jump shot. And he's added on some muscle. He's ready to play the center position. Is... What do you, what do you what is everyone expecting from Bagley once this once this eight game tournament begins? Personally, for me, let, let me talk a little more about Bagley first. I think Bagley's a great player. I don't think he's okay. That's that's a little bit of a stretch. I think he's a great talent. He averaged fourteen point nine points last season and seven point six rebounds. In like 25.2 minutes a game. Yes, everyone, this is off the top of my head because I was also looking at his stats about an hour ago. Uh, this year, in 13 games, in 25.7 minutes a game, so 0.5 more minutes a game, he's averaging 14.2, so 0.7 less points per game, and 7.5 rebounds per game, 0.1 less rebounds per game, and 0.5 more minutes. But most of these games, only one game and it was the season opener did he come was he not coming off an injury the other 12 games he was easing his way back in from an injury trying to find his role on the team again so it's hard to really judge his the season he's had so far off those stats but I know this Bagley is an incredible talent personally I did not want him in the draft I want to try young I'm not going to lie I'm going to say that now I want to Trey Young. And you know what? Trey Young's an all-star, so I'm still... I like Trey Young. I know Doncic is the better player, but I just really like what Trey Young did in college, how he can hit threes, kind of where the NBA's moving. And that's besides the point. But I know Bagley has had all this uh, anger, I guess, thrown his way. Like, it was his fault the Kings picked him. And then Kings fans watch, you know, Luka Doncic go off, Trey Young go off, Jaron Jackson go off. So I can understand King's fans' frustration. But I wouldn't say like, oh no, like the Kings could have had Doncic. Like I I get it. They could have had Doncic. Great. We could have had a lot of people in many drafts in the past. Mar- Marvin I-, I just wrote an article on Thomas Robinson today. So I'm recounting drafts in the past. And the Kings drafted Thomas Robinson. And right after him was Damian Lillard, uh, Andre Drummond, Harrison Barnes, who we have now. And, you know, that's another topic for another day. But I kind of wish we didn't have Barnes or at least sign Barnes cheaper. Anyways, like, I don't know. The Kings are used to skipping on people. But Bagley isn't a Robinson. Rob. Um, he's just not like after you watch Robinson play in his first I don't know he played 51 games with the Kings and he was traded immediately but you know what you're gonna get with Robinson he couldn't he was he was a rebounder he was an energy guy he could score in college but that it just obviously didn't translate to the NBA he didn't really have any post moves he didn't have a good jump shot 
he dropped so many rebounds. Anyway, sorry, Thomas Robinson, I don't mean to be dogging on you this whole time. But Marvin Bagley's not that guy. It's not like you can look at Thomas Robinson and Marvin Bagley in the same way, where it's like, oh no, the Kings passed on Damian Lillard and Andre Drummond for Thomas Robinson. Like, that was a terrible move. Thomas Robinson has done nothing in the league. And I know Marvin Bagley hasn't done anything any either, but he definitely has a lot more potential than Thomas Robinson ever had. And it's not fair to compare Bagley to Doncic and Trey Young right now because Bagley did have a great rookie season, uh, even with Jaeger not really wanting to play him. He, I I mean, 14 and 7.5 in 25 minutes. You bump that up to starter minutes. The, dude, the dude's a double-double. He's a 20 and 10 guy for sure. And hopefully he can bump that jump shot percentage up a little more. Uh, it hasn't looked too good this year, but you know, practice makes perfect. Maybe work on his post moves a little better. He he really relies on his athleticism at the moment to um, dominate in the league at the moment. I wouldn't say dominate, but you know, to be good, he uses his athleticism. So imagine if he gets some of like that Cousins mid range, uh, that mid range game where he would fake the jump shot or just take the jump shot and bury it. it uh, fan or the opposing defenders had to respect that, and of course, Cousins' game in the post was magnificent. And Bagley can even get half of that, he would be a terror because he, he's way more athletic than Cousins. Athletic was, or sorry, Cousins was a very athletic player, but nowhere close to Bagley. Bagley can run, he can jump, he just lacks the skill. He's always had, he's always obviously, uh relied on his athleticism and his pure um yeah athletic ability to get him far and so now if he just really starts to work on that skill set of his then he could be something big but that's not that's not the Bagley we have at the moment in this eight game tournament so I won't pretend like we do I think Bagley should come off the bench I don't see any reason he should be starting games but I also don't see him playing like I think he should be getting 20 minutes a game. He's he's still a force. I wrote an article. He's an X-factor. I really think he is. He runs the floor well. He can rebound. Why not not utilize that? He can score well. 14 points a game in the last two seasons. The dude doesn't have a problem. I think fans have a bias on him. He's always injured. He's not as good as Doncic. Like, all right, I get it. But that's besides the point. If we're looking this at this in an objective point of view, Bagley's a good player. And even if he isn't anywhere close to his potential, he's still a good player and he should be utilized. I mean, imagine this Kings lineup. So the starting lineup, we're just going to say Bogey's going to be the starter still. Uh, and Buddy's going to be coming off the bench. So the starting lineup is Darren Fox, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Harrison Barnes, uh, Nemanja Bielitsa, and then Rashawn Holmes. That's a solid, you know, this is a solid starting five. And that was the starting five that was getting wins. Or, I don't know, Rashawn I forget how long Rashawn Holmes was out. It's been so long. But that was the starting five that was doing well towards the end of the season. And then their bench, if you get Bagley back, you got Corey Joseph, Buddy Heald, Kent Bazemore, Marvin Bagley, we'll say Marvin Bagley's playing the four, and then you put Lynn at the five. And we're going to say Buddy Heald and 
Alex Lynn and Jabari. I mean, uh, is Jabari Barker Jabari Barker going to play? I don't, I don't know where he's been. I mean, other than with coronavirus, but even during the season, he wasn't playing. Unless he somehow... I, whatever, Jabari Parker. I'm assuming he's not going to play since he didn't play at all. And if Buddy Heald and Alex Lynn come back healthy from the coronavirus, that's a solid second unit you got right there. Corey Joseph, Buddy Heald, and Kent Bazemore. Kent Bazemore has been a bright spot for the Kings this year too since training for him. And so has Alex Lynn, really. And then Marvin Bagley, if you add him in, you, you don't even have to look for Bagley to do the scoring, I bet. Buddy puts most of that pressure on him for the second unit. And, I mean, why not? Buddy's been great off the bench. You you look to Bagley to get those transition buckets, those rebounds, to run the floor. Hopefully that muscle has helped him play defense a little better. Uh, that I Honestly, you might call me crazy, but I see that second unit... I see that second unit competing with that first unit. Like if you're taking them like five on five, I think they're both really good at what they do. I think the first unit's the first unit for a reason. They're better, but I don't think the second unit is that much far behind them. I think they have a, I think they have a very deep team. Yes, I'm gonna call that a deep team. I am. I think that's a very solid second lineup, and they can definitely put other teams on notice. But I guess. All we can really do is wait until at least July 22nd comes when the scrimmages start. 15 days. 15 days, 24 days until the NBA resumes. A lot on the mind for the Kings. What's going to happen with Bagley? Honestly, is Buddy or Bogey going to start? I can go on that real quick. Only at 53 minutes on the podcast. I was going to try to shoot for an hour or whenever, really. Buddy or Bogey? I don't know. I'm biased. Maybe I'm not biased. I think it's bat, uh, backed up with fact. I think Buddy's the better player. I think Luke Walton needs to tell Buddy to stop shooting so many poor-looking shots. I think his benching was well-deserved. But I think he's definitely the better player than Bogey. I don't understand the hype around Bogey. I'm not going to lie. I think Bogey's a very solid player. But, like, say Bogey's a B player. He's always going to be a B player. It's like a B, you know? Like A, B, C, D. He's just a B player. He's good. He's a good bench player. He's an average starter. He's like, yeah, that's the difference. He's like a good, he's like a really good bench player. But he's just like an average starter. Where Buddy, he, he has a chance to be like a pretty good starter. And a great bench player. He just... He just needs to make stop making so many dumb decisions. Let the drama drop. And I get it. That comes with the game. And that comes with decision making. But I think he he's taken less... Uh, he's taken better shots coming off the bench. I think he's shown some maturity. I know he's like... I know that rumor came out where Buddy... Or like a, like a source close to Buddy said that he, want, like he, would be, he wants to be traded in the offseason if he doesn't get his starting job reclaimed. Like That didn't even come from Buddy. I don't know how seriously to take it. But that is drama you know, surrounding him. It probably was linked to him somehow. Uh, I, I say... I, and honestly... Okay, I'm just going to go into it. I, why sign Barnes? I did not like Barnes. He traded Amon Chumpert last year for Barnes, even though Amon Chumpert was the leader... And why not just start Buddy or Bogey and Buddy? I, I get Bo- Bogey's a little small for uh, a three guard, but 
Just start your best players. What's the point of John Salmons was six, six foot six. He was six foot six. He was a he was a small forward. Let's put Bogey on there. And I mean, he definitely have a lot of trouble guarding players like LeBron and Kevin Durant at the three. But just go small or something. Maybe put a different. I don't know. It's obvious. I'm not a coach for a reason. But honestly, I thought Bogey was going to be the small forward, and I didn't think Buddy and Bogey were going to be fighting for the shooting guard position for the last several years. But here we are. Personally, I think Buddy's better. I think he should be getting a starting job. I mean, the dude hit, like, the Kings record in three-pointers last year. I think he was, like, fifth in the NBA for three-pointers made. Had a great season. This season, he's still dropping close to 20. He's just taking taking poorer shots, but his three-point percentage is still around 40%. He's shown maturity after his benching. He just needs to show that, you know, he needs to keep showing that maturity and that he, uh, the, you know, he doesn't, he needs to drop that drama from his off the court act. And I think Buddy, Buddy will get a lot more appreciation than he has currently gotten this season. And on top of it, I think Buddy was trying to do too much when Darren Fox left. There's a lot of pressure, not pressure, but I think a lot of people thought the Kings were going to make the playoffs or at least make a better push. The Kings were not... They were terrible. The Kings were so bad for the majority of the season until their last little run before the NBA suspension. I think Buddy put some pressure on himself to... You know, he was the guy. He, him and Fox were the guy, and Fox was out. So Buddy's like, all right, I need, you know, I need to elevate this team. And he just couldn't do that. And he was doing too much, and it was really affecting his game in a poor way. Um, and then... You have Harrison Barnes' contract, which I don't agree with. I never... Four years, $80 million, I thought that was ridiculous. Barnes, I mean, he's a 15-5-5 guy. He plays, he plays defense, I guess. I just don't think he's worth that money. He's like a third option behind Fox and Buddy. Being paid the most... I thought it was a dumb move. Just keep Shumpert at that point. They were succeeding with it. They thought they just thought they thought the front office thought Barnes was going to be the that piece that set him over the hump, but uh, pushed him over the hump. But he honestly he brought him back a little, and he was really struggling going into the All Star break. Luckily, he's been playing a little better after the All Star break. As Grant and Doug have been saying, he really needed that all-star break. Uh, he's stepped up his game, but don't think he's a $20 million player. But who, I mean, anybody's a $20 million player in the league now, I guess. But I don't want to end this podcast on a bad note, me complaining about Harrison Barnes' contract. I think we should all be very amped for 24 days. When the Kings uh, return to the court, facing off against the Spurs, I'm excited. That should be, be two days after my birthday. It's kind of a nice little birthday present. I'm very excited. I hope all of you are too. Um, unfortunately, probably restaurants might still be closed in Sacramento because of the COVID or because of the coronavirus. So we probably can't do watch parties or anything. But that doesn't mean we can't all sit at our homes. And cheer on the team as best as we could, even though we can't, they can't hear us. But I know my heart will be happy that day, July 31st. 
and uh, I'm very excited. I hope the Kings can somehow shock us and the league, at least, at the very least, move within four games of the eighth seed and be in the ninth seed. <laughs> I hope uh, I hope that transitions well because my recording just cut off after an hour. I didn't realize that the recording was shut off after an hour. So now I know that for future podcasts. But with that, I guess it's time to start uh, closing down the first podcast. Thank you for all the listeners who tuned in. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, July 31st, you know, that's the day that I will be waiting for. My, My heart will be happy July 31st. Uh, if anyone would ever like to discuss or be on a podcast with me, you can email me at capcitycrown at gmail.com. I'd love to have you on. We can do it over Zoom or any means that will let us communicate and record the meeting and upload it. But until then, July 31st, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is Tony with Cap City Crown, and go Kings!